If you have your Bibles with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of Colossians. We'll be looking this evening at chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. We're nearing the end of our study in Colossians together this week, and then later on this month we will be looking at verses 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. And then our final time together, the rest of chapter 4. So this is the third last sermon we have together in Colossians chapter 3. It's short, it's practical, and it pulls no punches. Sounds a lot like the Apostle Paul. And so let's look together, if we would, at Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would teach us from your word, that you would convict us of our sin, that you would encourage us in the way. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It is seen in bookstores everywhere. It has become almost a cliche in the modern American church. And that is the need for practical how-to advice to live in the family. Everyone is looking for the secret to the perfect family. Ten steps to a perfect marriage. Twenty steps to raising children. Relationships we have with one another in close quarters in the home are among the most difficult we have because they are so close. We spend so much time together. There is so much invested in one another. And yet at the same time, we tend to look at these relationships apart from our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul will have none of this. Paul has good, sound, practical advice for us and how to live in the family. This is, we might even say, the secret to a happy family but it is steeped in and founded upon a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and who He is. And so this evening we will look at these varying pieces of advice as Paul speaks to wives, as he speaks to husbands, as he speaks to children, and as he speaks to parents and particularly to fathers about how to relate to one another in light of what Jesus Christ has done. You see, Colossians is a book about who Jesus Christ is. The first two chapters, as we have seen, is a description of the glory of Jesus Christ. Paul describes in chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus is the Lord. And then he makes this interesting statement here in chapter 2 and verse 6. He says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in Him. 
You see, for Paul, believing is related to doing. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that changes who we are and it changes our actions everywhere, in every sphere of our life. And so we see this movement in chapter 3. We see Paul first beginning in verses 1 through 4 about the individual focus that we should have. That is, who Jesus is changes who we are individually. We begin to think on things that are above. We begin to set our minds not on earthly things, but on the things of the Lord. We realize that our lives are hidden in Jesus Christ and that we will appear with Him again in glory. And it gives us perspective on our own lives. And then in verse 5 of chapter 3, he begins to speak about the way we work and live in the community, and especially in the community of faith. You recall that he described for us the way in which we are to put off sins, to put off sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, to watch what we do, to watch what we think, to put off anger and wrath and malice, but also to watch what we say, to put off slander and obscene talk, to have our lives be one that testify in the community around us that we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. And now Paul will turn to the next area of our life, the family. Before, in a week to come, we will look at our relationship at work, The family is an important institution. It was created by the Lord. And it is not important merely because of its social and political construct. We tend to view the family, I think, as we read articles in the newspaper, as we talk with others, as almost a political unit. Something that is socially acceptable, that allows us to live certain lives of prosperity and peace. But you see, the family is much more than that. The family is the place where the rule of Christ begins to be shown. You see, if Jesus Christ rules in our hearts, He rules in our homes. The family helps us to remember that as we strive for holiness, holiness is found in daily life. There is nothing that will humble you and that will make you practical like your family. You can't be highfalutin in your family. You can't put on airs in your family. You are who you are every day, day upon day. And as Jesus Christ rules in our hearts, it shows in the home. And it shows, obviously, in different aspects because of the differing roles each of us play within the structure of the family. And so Paul begins first by addressing the wives. It's short, it's sweet, and it's also controversial today. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, what does this mean? Now, far too often in our world today, a pastor like myself would come up and stand up and spend about 15 minutes explaining to you how submission does not really mean submission. But I'm not going to do that. You see, because authority is foundational to the universe. God is an authority. 
And the whole idea of authority is important and critical to us. We relate to the Creator as the creation, as one under His authority. It is part of the very fabric of the universe. And authority is fundamental as well. God has designed it for us. Part of the problem is when we get tired of authority, when we think that we can do better than authority, and we cast it off, often the vacuum can be worse than the authority that we perceive to be difficult. Have we not seen this in the world today in the last few years? Even now they protest in Egypt, saying that the situation is getting worse than it was. And we wonder what will happen in Syria. What could be worse than a tyrannical dictator who kills his own people? Well, rebel heroes who storm police stations and execute people in cold blood. You see, the world is a place that needs authority because of sin. We need a restraining influence that God has placed in our lives. And so, here submission, we need to understand, is not a dirty word. It is not something we need to be afraid of, something we need to apologize for. Paul calls on wives to submit. But at the same time, we must understand that submission does not mean perhaps what we are tempted to want it to mean. Submission does not mean having a slave at your beck and, your beck and call. Submission does not mean telling someone what to do and them doing it unquestioningly. It implies obedience, but it is distinct from it because you will see children have a different role. They are not called to submit. They are called to obey. There is a distinction. We might describe submission best this way. It is the voluntary recognition of the leadership of another. It does not imply inequality at all. Because if it does, we have significant theological problems. They don't involve men and women. Because you see, in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, we are told that our Lord Jesus Christ submitted to His parents. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, we are told that Jesus Christ, the Son, submits to the Father in the economy of redemption. You see, submission does not imply inequality. It is a voluntary recognition of the leadership authority that God has placed. And it does involve cooperation. The intelligent husband will seek the advice and the assistance and the help of his submissive wife. Think about this for a moment just from the world. What could be worse if you ran a company than to surround yourself with yes-men. People who thought every idea you had was the best idea on earth. Who never offered any criticism ever. Who never offered any advice. Who never gave their gifts to the better good of the company. Pretty soon it would be bankrupt, wouldn't it? You'd never sharpen any plan. You would never deal with challenges beforehand. And yet, I think sometimes in the Christian church, we think this is the view we want in the marriage of submission. That husbands should not get advice from their wives before making a mistake. When you admit, men, 
that your wife has something to give to the equation, that doesn't mean you have less authority. It actually vindicates your authority. You see, wives are called to submit, but that doesn't mean silence. And also, wives are not called to submit to just anyone or just any man. Paul says that they are to submit to their own husbands, to your husbands. And that is because of the covenantal relationship that the man and the woman have. Again, this is not based upon inferiority or superiority. It is based upon the covenantal relationship that God has put into place. But there is one other important thing. Ladies, you need to hear this. Submission is not conditional. Do not say to yourself, well, I'll submit to my husband if he's a better spiritual leader. I'll submit to my husband if he's better with money. I'll submit to my husband if he loves me more. No. Your husband is called to those things. We'll get to them in a minute. And he will have to answer to the Lord for those things. You won't. You will answer to your submission to your husband. To how you were in the relationship. To how you answered the call of the Lord God upon your life. Wives are called to submit. Not because their husbands tell them to. Not because men are better than women, but because the Lord God Himself has designed an authority for the good of both men and women. Well, Paul does not even pause, does he? You could just imagine as this letter is read in the church in Colossae, and verse 18, and all of the husbands start smiling. They get excited about that. And then he breaks right in. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You see, after he has protected the order and authority of the family, he then makes sure that that order is actually worth protecting. Do you see that? This is the family. This is not the army. This is not a nation. This is a place where love and nurture and care are found. We don't have families just to be efficient, do we? No, we have families to have support and compassion and care. And so if we have the structure, then we must have worth within the structure. And Paul says this. And he calls husbands to love, and we might even say a special kind of love. No, I don't mean that lovey-dovey love that gives two dozen roses on the anniversary. That's not what I mean. Although I'm not opposed to doing that. It's a kind of love that by definition is self-sacrificial. You've heard it before. It's this term agape love. It is a love that we have for one another that is self-sacrificing. Because you see, it is far too easy, isn't it, to just speak love. You can not only talk the talk, you must walk the walk. It is not enough to simply love in word, John says in 1 John 3. We must love in deed, brethren. It must be the kind of love that builds up. Husbands, you should be seeking to build up your wives. You see, you should be so far from feeling threatened by your wife and the authority in the home, that you should be seeking to build her up at every opportunity. 
And it's interesting how this works, these two things, submitting and loving. Because you see, the Lord knows that this is a call to help our natural tendencies to sin. Men have a natural tendency not to love as they are. Right? We even see it, it's rife in our society and it's in our, it's in our cliches. You know, the husband that forgets his wife's birthday or that doesn't listen to his wife when she's talking or that is not tender-hearted with her. Get to the point, let's go. And wives are tempted to submit, or excuse me, to undermine authority. We see it in the scriptures with Rebecca and Isaac. You see it, of course, in your own home because this is the sin that is resident in your heart. You want to maneuver the children around your husband. You want to make sure that things are placed so that he will choose what you want. These are the tendencies we have. And Paul knows this and he addresses them head on. And think, too, about how much easier it is to live out God's calling when your spouse is living out God's calling. What woman would not want to be loyal and submit to a husband that loves her more than anything else in the world? What husband would not be filled with love for a woman who is loyal, respectful, and encouraging? You see, this is the way we build up the family each upon the other. How easy it is to follow the Lord when each is walking with Him. You see, as a man, we must understand that even in the authority that we have, we are under authority that is under the authority of Jesus Christ. The rule of Jesus Christ in your life demands that a man serve his wife as evidence that he is serving Jesus Christ, protecting her, blessing her. And Paul says you are not to be harsh with her. You want to love her. And this is a very interesting word for harsh. This is not the kind of word that we might think involving, say, violence or, or loud yelling or some kind of anger. It actually is very close to the word being embittered, soured. This word is only used otherwise in the book of Revelation. It's used to describe how the waters were spoiled and soured. And how when John ate the book and it went into his stomach, it was painful and bitter. And so what the Lord is saying here to men is that you should not irritate your wife and irritate your family. Don't do things that will make you unhappy. It seems like common sense. Well, families have not only husbands and wives, but they also have children. And they are addressed in verse 20. Children, Paul says, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Now, this word here for obey is very strong. It means, young people, listen to your parents. Be under the hearing of what they say. Be influenced by their opinions, by their statements. 
You see, you are called to a place in a family. And that place is a place of obedience. And, and Paul is pretty sweeping in it. He says, obey in everything. Now, this means one thing and not another. It does not mean in every single possible instance that you are to obey your parents. For example, if we are called by our parents to sin, we ought not. This passage is influenced by and covered by Ephesians chapter 6, where children are called to obey in the Lord. But don't use that as an excuse. It does also say in everything. And you have to understand that your parents have a unique authority in your life. You can only play the, I'm not going to do that because my parents are asking me to sin card if they're actually asking you to sin. If they're just giving you advice or they're giving you an order in something that is wisdom, you are called to obey. You are not to make up excuses and say, well, you know, I don't really think that's the best thing. No, there is a unique authority that the parents have, and we are to give deference to our parents. Have you ever wondered why, as Americans, whenever we hear a command or a law or a regulation, we always begin with the loopholes? We try and figure out where we can poke a hole in it. We all do this, don't we? Children, you're no different. You're tempted to look at this command and say, well, how can I get out of obeying? Where are the exceptions to the rule? Rather, you should be looking at this and giving hearty obedience to your parents. Not because the pastor says so. Not because mom and dad will be happy. But look at what Paul says. For it pleases the Lord. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. That your obedience gives pleasure to the living God. That is an incredible blessing that you have. By merely obeying your parents, you give pleasure to the Lord. This is critically important to God. In Romans chapter 1, we see all of the great sins that society and the world have committed. It is a sign of rebellion against God. And that list is very heinous. Paul speaks about the wrath that will come for lust, for impurity, for dishonorable passions, for having a debased mind, for being unrighteous, for coveting, for murdering, for deceiving, for causing strife for being gossips, for inventing evil, all of these horrible things. And you know what is smack dab in the middle of this list? Disobedience to parents. It is a sign of rebellion against God. God has no spoiled children. We learn our usefulness in the kingdom of God from learning it at home, from understanding authority and structures of authority, and from operating with the blessing of the Lord. 
Well, again, here Paul is playing off these reciprocal relations. Just as he spoke to the wives and then got after the husbands, now as he speaks to the children and every parent is amening. They're in the amen chorus. Then Paul goes then to verse 21. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And this word here for provoke is very interesting. It means don't exasperate your children. Do not provoke them such that they feel they need to accept a challenge to you. Now, I think this is applicable both to moms and dads, but it's very interesting to me that the Lord and his servant Paul really zero in on fathers here. Because again, I think there is a temptation that is greater here to dads than to moms. Dads tend to be the ones that come in and lay down the law and are overly critical and drive and strive. And moms tend to be the ones that nurture, perhaps maybe to a fault. And you see, the Lord God says you don't want to have that kind of relationship with your children. He says children obey and fathers don't provoke your children. Don't be discouraging. Don't make your kids want to give up. This is an important and critical part of the family structure. You see, there is authority. There is submission. But you see, God has designed the family where each person in the family is important. Each is made in the image of God. And in the Christian family, each is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you want to have encouragement in your family... If you want to have better marriages, more harmonious relationships with your children, don't begin with the 10 or 12 step book. Begin on your knees before your Lord. Submit to Him. Have the rule of Jesus Christ rule in your own heart. And then, and only then, will God bless you in the family. It begins with Jesus. And as Jesus Christ changes each of us, that change takes us out into our families, into our communities, and into the world. Let's pray.